mentioned that there's like five, six things you care about. So other than fighting, what are the, some of those things? I like big booty Latinas. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Forbidden Technique Podcast with your boys Christian and Silas. We're going to be mostly looking back at UFC 296 today. The card was fine. Sometimes cards are perfectly well booked and kind of just don't necessarily deliver in the ways you maybe hope them to. But that said, there was still a lot of good fights, some interesting results. I think the fights were particularly great, but the finishes were all good. And there was a lot of them. Yeah, and a lot of the time, even when the fights were kind of not great, they were normally interesting in some way. Uh, it's, of course, the last UFC card of this year. So, I mean, I mean, it's basically fucking Christmas. We're just going to be getting into end-of-year stuff pretty soon. But one FC do have a card coming up this weekend with... Some pretty cool stuff on it. I mean, it's headlined by Superbon versus Tawanchai. Genuine uh, super fight in the world of kickboxing that I'm extremely excited for. So maybe we'll get some time to touch on that. But let's just get straight on into UFC 296. Uh, Leon Edwards defeats Colby Covington by easy unanimous decision. Very clear four rounds to one. Here's the thing. I'm guessing that like most of the people that listen to this show like have eyes and have like watched Colby Covington's last couple of fights and have noticed that he like sucks now. Because it is just like baffling to me how shocked everyone was by this outcome. Yeah, this is kind of the fight I was expecting. Like Colby Covington is extremely gun shy. Doesn't want to push a pace. Is not confident about his chin anymore. Like, can't pressure, and even when he actually tries stuff, it ends up kind of not mattering at all because Leon Edwards is just better than him anyway. But that said, this was a genuinely fucking embarrassing performance by Colby Covington. This, you know, this guy just fucking sits out, waits for title shots, holds up the division, and talks all this shit. Like, imagine insulting someone's murdered father to like try and get amped up for a fight and then this is what you go out and do Colby Covington you're a fucking pussy you should be ashamed of yourself it would have been much more admirable for him to have gone out and tried to do the old Colby Covington thing and then just gotten knocked out because he would have just been giving up way too many counter opportunities but at least he would have actually tried and maximized his opportunity of winning this kind of matchup where he's just going to like stay on the outside and let Leon Edwards 
kick the fuck out of his body and take all the time that he wants to just set up like four laser accurate counter right hands around and then pretty much every time Colby Covington even did actually commit to shots uh, Leon was just dramatically stronger than him and at least uh, has the defensive wrestling capabilities to just shut down everything Colby Covington wants to do if Leon is paying attention which at times he didn't and he got kind of you know, I think this is what Leon Edwards does when someone pisses him off and he wants to prove a point is he just wants to go, I'm just so much better than you at MMA. It's, like, it's not like, you know, the guy says all that kind of stuff and really gets to him and it's not like, oh, I want to go out and kill this guy. It's like, no, this guy gets like a decent position on me because I entertained a scramble trying to get a stupid back take and then ended up on bottom. I'm just going to shoot a double leg immediately just to be like, haha, I can take you down. I'm better than you everywhere. You suck. Yeah, Leon's also got a, a very strange thing that he, he does where he want he wanted to go murder Colby, but he was talking about the post fight, like, oh, I had to call my mom to have her call me down and call my friends just to, like, help me work through it because he was so fucking angered by what Colby was saying that his... But he's like, you know, that's, that's not going to affect the way I fight. It feels like almost him then Colby wins if he goes and gets knocked out. Like, if he goes out and knocks out Colby, it's like, oh, well, that's what Colby wanted me to do. <laughs> or at least if he has an uncharacteristically aggressive performance where he really tries to put it on Colby Covington, and then, then that's like, no, that's that's fighting emotionally, and that shows that it had an effect. And it turns out it didn't, because Leon Edwards is the most, like, maddeningly consistent fighter you'll ever see in MMA, and he's going to have... Like, this was the... Uh, Leon Edwards fight where he won dominantly no questions asked but he kind of let the guy do some stuff that, that he didn't need to late and gave up the fifth round but it didn't matter in the slightest and he won so clearly and everyone is saying oh Leon Edwards should have done more you know who should have done more Colby Covington <laughs> And and also, I I want to point out that this is one of the most violent performances Leon's had. It's not like he didn't win clean as shit. Some people forget about the Nate Diaz performance. Like he beat the fucking shit out of Nate Diaz. He did it on his own time, modestly. <laughs> you, know, you know, he didn't rush, and he beat Colby Covington up pretty bad as well. The Colby fight, he he beat the shit out of him. That was the most that Leon's ever beaten the shit out of a, a passive target. Because normally if someone's passive, he'll be passive and just kind of let the fight go as long as he's winning. But this fight, he was like, oh, the guy's fighting scared, so I'm going to keep him going backwards. Like, he didn't really pressure Colby. Colby was just so unwilling to go forward, and Leon will go forward if you aren't. So he was just getting free kicks on the on him. Uh, he hurt him to the body uh, kind of sneakily in the first round and uh, didn't put a stamp on the round with it. He, he just kicked him in the body. Colby was like, oh, my stomach. And then Leon just was like, okay, yeah. Uh, see you next round, buddy. And just, just fucking waited for the next round to start. Uh, and then the, it, it was in, I think, one of the middle rounds, I think round three or, or four. He, he gets taken down uh, because he tries to step over onto the back. in Like... It was a bad idea. He he was in no position to take the to like get a hook in from there. And then you know Colby pulls him back to the, down to the ground. And he's like, okay, I got him. And then Leon stands up and immediately forces a takedown that he didn't even really have good timing for. He was just, oh well, 
I, I can just get this takedown guaranteed while he's watching me try and take him down before I even shoot the takedown. Whereas Colby had to actually, you know, wait for a mistake from Leon. There was no mistake by Colby. He's just worse at wrestling. Uh, or worse at defending a takedown than Colby is at getting a takedown. Then the fifth round, it was almost like Leon was disrespecting him more by not trying in the fifth. Because it's not like he's like, oh, I gotta keep my lead. He's like, oh, I won so easily. I'm just gonna relax. I'm not gonna spend extra effort when I can just lay on my back and do almost nothing. He wasn't even defending very well, and he wasn't getting hurt. You know who else did that? Jose Aldo. Yeah, against Ricardo Lamas. He, like, he just kind of he won super easily. So he's like, okay, well, I've, I've won dominantly. I guess why waste any effort in the fifth round? More likely to get hurt actually trying than I am to do by just stalling. Especially against someone that's not a hitter like Colby. Like, there, there's no reason to give him opportunities to land on your chin on the feet. Yeah, because Colby actually started trying in the fourth round, and he actually started throwing and putting combinations together, and he was landing on Leon. It just didn't, like, matter at all. No, he landed his best shots on Leon, and Leon shrugged them off. Like, they were basically nothing, which, for most fighters, would give them more confidence, but for... um, Or or it would, like, make them lose confidence or something if uh, they're hurt hitting some of their best shots. Like, Colby... Seemed to gain confidence being able to land as much as he wanted to on Leon's chin. While Leon was like, oh fuck, I can take all of his power. That means I can lose a decision. So he, he just fucking is like, no, I, I, gotta, I gotta not lose the fourth round. And then in the fifth round, he's like, okay, I'll just, I'll just let him stall. I'll let him try and take me down. After three rounds, I was like, well, Leon Edwards has won. That's it, he's won. Because he won the first three rounds super clean. Colby did nothing. And at that point, it's like, Colby Covington's not going to knock Leon Edwards out. He's not going to pick up a 10-8. If Colby had started fighting from the first like he did in round four, then he could have at least made it competitive. He could have at least like lost a, a 48-47, or he could have, you know got knocked out actually pushing exchanges and maximizing his opportunity to win. Um, instead, he just lost an incredibly tepid little dick effort, and uh, he fucking sucks. I, I actually uh, I feel like I can maintain what I said before the fight as having happened. Uh, like, Colby made Leon look bad and then still lost super fucking wide. But Leon looking bad is still him winning four rounds with no issue. And then people still being mad at him for not going out and knocking him out. Because anything short of a knockout in the first two rounds where he he fucking beats Colby Pillar to post, takes him down, slams him, knees him in the face, cuts him up. Anything less than that, and people are going to say, oh, he let him off easy. Like the fact that Colby had teeth and like a functioning jaw and able to say all the shit he did in the post-fight press conference was... That was going to be too much for people anyways. So I think that was about what you can expect from Leon Edwards. I, I feel silly for being like, oh, he's going to come out and kill him. Like, no, the he's an elite fighter whose idea of the perfect fight is to just win easily without taking any damage. And he barely got hit hard at all. He he, he took, like, no brain damage in the fight. He he didn't get cut up or anything, and he did do more damage than he normally does to someone. Like, he hurt the fuck out of Colby's body, hurt his legs pretty bad, and, like, bloodied his face. So, 
Yeah, and people are saying, oh, this is a bad look if he's going to fight someone like Shavkat. Obviously, Shavkat is a extremely dangerous guy. That's not an easy fight for anyone. But I think it should be noted that, like, Leon responds to someone who really brings a fight to him. This fight doesn't show me that just like, oh, if someone can actually just like put their foot on the gas, Leon is kind of cooked. People forget that Usman was trying really hard in their third fight. Yeah, I just don't think it's as simple as that. And I think that's a really interesting fight. And I even think uh, Leon versus Bilal Muhammad is an interesting fight, but that's probably never going to happen because everyone hates Bilal Muhammad. Yeah, I mean, I think I quite strongly favor Leon to beat Bilal Muhammad, but I think Bilal is definitely going to come in with a good approach and push his advantages and maximize his opportunities to win in a way that Colby Covington did not. I think you can make it a much closer fight. And, you know, without thinking about it any harder, Leon versus Shafkat is kind of a pick and fight to me. You know, but it's a, it's a really interesting one. So. Yeah, I, I agree about Shafkat, but I think that, uh, I think Bilal came in with good oh. ideas in their first fight. These guys oh. asked people. Yeah, we only saw one round of that fight, though. You know, it was like wasn't it like two rounds? I th- I thought the eye poke was really early in the second round. It might be, but either way, he was like, if Leon's beating your ass early, he's probably gonna like maintain it late. It's not like Bilal's a guy that'll come back and and like fuck someone up really hard if they're they're getting him early. Also, it's, it's Leon doesn't really have cardio issues like that. It's more just taking his eye off the ball, and I feel like if a guy comes at him the entire fight... Because like, even the Usman fifth round wasn't very hard for him in the third fight. No, I tend to agree. But still would have much rather have seen it than this fucking Colby Covington fight. Except I did enjoy watching this fight because it was just, like funny. What's funny is uh, even someone that Blom Hobbit's beaten in his current streak has a, has a better... Uh, like, has a better argument for getting a title fight. Like, I think beating Kevin Holland is a better win than current Masvidal. Or, like, post-title fight Masvidal. So, like, you could have just given uh, Stephen Thompson a win off, of, or a title fight off of one fight. And that would have been more fun. Probably, it probably gives him a harder fight than Colby did. Oh, definitely. And we probably would learn more about uh, Shafkat if he had fought Colby. So, yeah. What the fuck, UFC? That was weird matchmaking. I mean, I guess Colby Covington just actually is a draw, but I have a hard time believing that he's going to be after this because, sorry, but like American fans like Americans that win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be this guy who talks all of this shit and you're going to put forward a performance like that, you know, those guys who were screaming your name in the first round were not on your side after that fight. This shit is just not going to fly as soon as Colby Covington just starts losing decisions to number eight ranked welterweights. It's so much harder to generate that kind of hate when you're not on top. It's also, it seems like he's just getting people to pay to watch him lose, which only works if you're really, really good. Or it only works in like the long term. Because people paying to watch you lose isn't that good of a strategy when you lose every second fight. Or like you lose a bunch of fights because his fan base is is always kind of at odds because his fan base that likes the MAGA shit thinks he's a disrespectful prick who's being an asshole all the time. And then the people that love him being an asshole all the time are often more liberally inclined so they don't like the MAGA shit. So he's doing a weird thing where he's being a character of like a MAGA fan but also being generally an asshole like he's he's trying to be a heel in is all the political shit he's doing is part of that so it's just weird like you'd think if he was gonna 
commit to one side of it, it would probably work better. If he was just rude as hell every time and said nothing politically, then he'd be uh, probably well more liked. Or if he just stuck to the manga shit and then was generally a normal person, he'd probably get more fans. Yeah, it's it's just any angle he can get to generate hate. But like I said, you know, when you start just picking up these kind of losses, then everyone just goes, ha ha, but you, you, you got knocked out by Usman, you suck. Or, you know, ha ha, you lose decision to... I mean, who, who would Colby Covington even fight next? There's not even any rematches he can fight that he could win because everyone that he's beaten is retired. <laughs> or, or in a different weight class. I don't know. Have, have him fight Shavkat now? They're just going to give Shavkat a title shot. They should, but like, why would I trust them to do that? Well, who else are they going to give a title shot? They're definitely not going to give Bilal Muhammad a title shot who actually, like, on merit, deserves one way more than Shavkat does. They might have Shavkat fight Bilal. They like to do that even when it's dumb. Or especially when it's dumb. But then who's Leon Edwards going to fight? No one. He's a champ. They like to leave them inactive for a full year. Or they'll give him fucking Masvidal if they have Masvidal beat someone trash. Oh, they would love to do that. Fucking, what if Usman just comes out on short notice and actually beats someone, like, next month or something? And then they're like, oh, just give Mas- just give Usman another shot, you know? He looked pretty good in their third fight. Also, Colby Covington should fight, like, Sean Brady. Well, no, because if he wins, then they give him another, another title shot. They wouldn't give him a title shot off of being Sean Brady. Not after that. I mean, Sean Brady just had a good performance. So they'll be like, oh, shit. Also, he probably just loses to Sean Brady at this point, so... Not even a worry. Oh, no, I'm saying if I'm like Colby Covington's management, that's the fight I'm angling for. Yeah, probably. That is the high, That is the highest rank fight that I think he even has a chance in, and I don't think he would win it. Colby should fight Burns. Although Burns also might be shot. He should fight Jeff Neal. I think he'd get torched by Jeff Neal. I tend to agree. Okay. Co-main event. Yep, it was the same fight, but he didn't get choked this time. He just got controlled a bunch instead. Yeah, Royville actually came in with a incredible lack of ideas. Uh, not a great performance by him. I mean, it, it was valiant effort, and he, he tried a bunch. But he tried very hard. He did not try very intelligently. Uh, in the, the fifth round was his best round. He was just so focused on defensive wrestling and not getting rear naked choked. Well, for someone so focused on defensive wrestling, he sure did get taken down really easily. Well, yeah, he's still Brandon Royville, but he was trying his goddamn best, and he actually was like stuffing takedowns in the first couple of rounds. But I just mean, it was clearly affecting him so much in how he was approaching on the feet, because the thing about Brandon Royville is he is really not at his best when he's trying to be technical, even though... As we said, I think he does try to like think of himself as like a slick kickboxer. He's just athletic. He doesn't have the speed. When he has hurt people and looked genuinely dynamic and effective on the feet, it's when he's like flinging his entire body into like a spinning elbow or a huge knee or something. But when he is trying to box, like when he's trying to throw combinations in a way that he can actually maintain stance and distance, and distance and keep himself in positions to deal with what's coming back at him and be be able to like try and be ready to defend wrestling his mechanics is so bad and he's not accurate so even though you know he pantoja was kind of gassed and also just kind of had the fight in the bag in the fifth round and royville kind of started to tee off the shots which just were not effective enough and just you would see 
just such a stark difference when these guys were landing on each other, you know, when they would trade body kicks and rivals would just kind of slap and Pantojas would just move Royville around. He just... I thought for who he is, he made a good account of himself and did the best he could to win this kind of fight. He just straight up it can't beat Alessandro Pantoja. Yeah, and Pantoja looked fucking exhausted from the end of the first round, even. <laughs> and in this one, too. He always so, does. Uh, I, I think part of it is just Pantoja is not a very stoic fighter with his, uh, with his ability to hide how tired he is. And Royville... Is, it is not a good idea for him to try to fight the way he trains. Because I'm sure when he's training, he's very technical and doing all that shit he's talking about. But in his fights, he's way fucking better if he just uses the skills that he's built up to just trust that it's in his back pocket and generally just go fucking hard at someone. Because people freak out whenever he goes hard at them. Like, he got hurt by Karkar France because he was being a little crazy, and then it led to him getting success with an elbow. Um, and then, you know, in, in his other fights where he's kind of been getting good finishes they've been hard fights you know like Mateusz Nikolaou he was they were having a competitive fight for how short it was yeah I mean fucking uh Matt Schnell just walked up to him and blasted him with the right hand before they ended up in a scramble and uh, Royville just guillotined him yeah you know all all he's got to do is uh kind of measure it better like I, I don't think he's someone that really gets who he is as a fighter despite being so introspective and clearly a thoughtful fighter or he, I think he knows what he does, but he doesn't know what he should be doing, necessarily. He he seems like he thinks, oh, I can just get really good and then, you know, win on, on a pure skill battle with these guys. Because, you know, maybe uh, if you just use what's in his mind, he's better than uh, than other flyweights. But it, that that's not all fighting is. And he's he's getting hossed by motherfuckers that are, are just able to go first on him faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this this was really occurred to me when uh, I remember him talking about the Kaikara France fight, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a long southpaw, and I'm fighting a, a orthodox, stocky, like big right hand counterpuncher. So I should really like try and use my jab and extra distance to like try and deny exchanges and use the left high kick to keep the right hand at home. That's all really like good stuff to do in that matchup. He didn't do none of that shit. He got into a stupid fucking war and just drowned Kaikara France until he shot a bad takedown and he submitted him. And also if he had tried that shit, he probably would have gotten dusted because he would have thrown the kick at the arm. It not hit him hard enough to actually stop him from throwing it. Then Kai just steps in real hard and blasts him with the right hand. That's what happened in the fight. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't work, you know? You you have to have a certain level of athleticism to put out certain strategies like that. When he's better if he just makes people fight bad because he's coming at them more aggressively than they've ever fought anyone else. Or, like, you can do that, that strategy if you're just going at the guy, you know? It, it seems like he's someone that th- knows a lot about fighting but doesn't really know how to apply it necessarily. Or he can't perform it the way he's trying to. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just like tell your hands and legs to do some some stuff in, that makes sense in your brain, and it just doesn't work out in reality. Like I really, I really feel for that. He, he's got to. I think he's just got to work on trusting his training more. Because if he goes out there and, and just fucking goes, he's probably going to do better as long as he he's preparing himself before the fight. But he's putting a bit too much emphasis on how he can fight better within the fight or be more measured or more technical when that's just not what he needs. 
No, and someone needs to tell him that. Someone needs to tell him, dude, you are the raw dog, and you need to go out and raw dog these bitches. <laughs> like, he needs to go out with just no protection, no safety whatsoever. And Pantoja, having watched this now, he's my favorite champion because he's just so easy to talk, to talk about because he does the same thing every fucking fight. Yeah, he does big takedown and big right hand and take the back. Yeah, he didn't even really come with many particular matchup-specific adjustments. He was just doing his game really well because Royval's, like, slower than Moreno. No, he just does what he does, and he's a fucking force of nature. He, he fought Brandon Royval the same way he fought Brandon Moreno, and he fought Brandon Moreno the same way he fought Davison Figueredo. You really get the sense that <clears throat> now he's got the belt, he's really just uh, actually putting emphasis on just winning. I wouldn't have... Ex- generally expected this kind of performance from him throughout most of his career even though even though it was like the way i thought he was going to win um it was just a lot more conservative and a lot more happy to just do what he needed to do to win rounds rather than like actually just try and kill the guy in the post fight interview he was kind of just like yeah i just did what i got to do to like win to like keep making champion money right now which i i respect for a long time like guaranteed action fighter had a ton of bangers getting to this point and being like yeah i just gotta go out there and just get a win i respect it i guess like who does he fight now you know there's a bunch of there's a bunch of guys kind of really coming into the fringe of flyweight you got makayev coming off of good wins Sigiri lambekov has actually kind of been putting it together you know Tatsura Tyra's on the way up, but they're all like kind of right on the edges of fighting the guys. But who's like right there for a title shot at flyweight right now? Amir Albazi? If he beats Brandon Moreno. Yeah, he's. I guess it's probably the winner of that then. Because, you know, Moreno, I wouldn't say Moreno doesn't deserve another fight. Having the two losses to Pantoja is kind of rough, but the last fight was close enough and a fucking banger first one was so long ago that it, I, I think if he gets it done against uh, Albazi, then um, I think it's fair to put him straight back in a title shot. And certainly, you know. And um, I, I think he beats Albazi. Oh, I think pretty comfortably, yeah. Uh, so this is just Brandon Moreno now. He's just got to keep fighting extremely dangerous Brazilians like four, five times. <laughs> Uh, Shavkat Rachmanov fucking beat the shit out of Stephen Thompson. It was kind of slow-paced and, uh, and very calculated, especially in the first round, which made people act like it was a worse fight than it was. Uh, the fight wasn't like setting the house on fire or anything, but it was, it was smart by Shavkat. Uh, he, he came in way more measured than I was expecting. I heard him talking before this fight saying like yeah i think uh, i can kickbox with stephen thompson i don't think i just have to wrestle him in this fight and i don't think he's entirely wrong about that you know he's dangerous enough certainly um but i really did expect him to just like maybe get a little too high on the smell of his own farts and try and go out there and prove a point that he didn't need to and i like that this fight showed that he's actually just not the kind of guy who's gonna do that he is gonna actually come into the fight with the approach that he needs to win that fight the most consistently. And yeah, the first fight, sorry, the first round kind of sucked, but it, it was all just in service of eventually getting Stephen Thompson to the mat and then making his life miserable and choking him out. And it's pretty hard. You know, if I'm going to say you can't criticize Leon for winning a fight super easily, 
which you can, but I think, you know, the, the criticism is should always be on the guy who actually needed to do more to have a chance of winning and could have done more to have a chance of winning. In the same way, it's pretty hard to say like, oh, well, this was boring. He just looked won really easily by finish within two rounds. Yeah, I, I, the reason that I didn't feel any negativity around it is because it kind of taught me that Shafkat is a finisher and it's not uh, he's he's not a finisher to a fault you know he's he's not fighting bad because he's trying to finish people he's just going to take the most efficient route to the finish which is admirable and also incredibly fucking rare cuz how many fighters that you consider to be a finisher are finishers to a fault where they'll get themselves hurt going for a finish that isn't there or they'll lose a decision because they're just trying too hard for a, a fighting style that only really works out if you get the finish yeah this is exactly what i'm saying kind of fighters tend to either be on the side of I'm just going to do what it takes to win, and these guys tend to either win a lot more decisions or the finish kind of just materializes as a function of how they fight. Or you tend to have, as you say, guys who are so finish-dependent that they either can't win any any other way or constantly get themselves into trouble because of how they because of how they are trying to pursue a finish and getting fixated on it. Whereas Shavkat is actually does take well-conceived strategic approaches. It's just all in service of winning the fight by finish. I think he took the fight. uh, If he took the fight to Steven Thompson in the, in three rounds, like and was willing to just try and knock him out of the feet for the whole entirety of the fight, then he would have finished him in the third. But also, he would have gotten hurt, and he would have taken some more damage than he had to. I think he is uh, someone that focuses on the actual content of the win more so than it being exciting. Because I kind of don't give a shit if someone's exciting if they're always finishing fights. Like, I would love Charles Oliveira just as much, even if his fights were unentertaining, just because he almost always finishes. He's got, like, two decisions in his fucking UFC career, or three. Like that that's that's nothing. It's it's incredibly hard to reliably get finishes and I respect the way Shafkar gets him because he can finish you in any way. He can finish you by uh you know, the Jeff Neal fight. The most efficient way for him to get that fight to a finish is to go fucking hog wild at him the entire time, never get out of his face, throw fuckloads of volume, attack him in different spots, always be going for it. You know, is there ways that you could possibly win that fight easier? Maybe, but the, I don't think there's a way that he could have gotten the finish easier. I think he just had to take a really hard path because that's a hard fight for him. Uh, and then, you know, Stephen Thompson, this is a fight where he's able to get a finish in two rounds early into the second. It was like, what, halfway into the second? Uh, with taking, or no, it was like halfway into the second that the fight was guaranteed finished. He finished him like right at the end of the round. But, you know, you could tell the fight was, it was only a matter of time within a couple minutes of the second round. So, I appreciate that. I, I think we got to give Shavkat a fast track to the title because him versus Leon is the fight I'm most excited for in the weight class. And yeah. I, I just sorry, Bilal. This <laughs> is just how. Yeah. It well, it's that I know Bilal's going to be around for another few years. Shavkat, he could like go fucking crazy, shine bright as a star, and then fizzle out. You know, if they if they give him like three fights for a title shot, say he loses his next fight or something, then he's got to win two to get a title shot or some bullshit. I can't think of many people that would beat him, but that doesn't mean it's incapable of happening. Like it's happened to other really good prospects before where they deserve a title shot probably. Like shit with Darren Till has happened to the weight class where it feels like the UFC 
if something happens in a weight class, they're going to remember the history of it, but they don't normally think about it in other contexts. And at welterweight, it wasn't that long ago that Darren Till got fast-tracked to a title for no fucking reason off of a win against Stephen Thompson. Uh, admittedly, a much worse win over Stephen Thompson, but still a win over Stephen Thompson when Stephen Thompson was worth more as a win. Uh, and they just gave him a title shot against Woodley, and Woodley fucking beat the shit out of him after uh, Till threw no punches in the first round. Uh, so maybe the UFC is going to be tentative to to give him a title fight immediately, but probably not. It seems like they think he's pretty good. He's a finisher. He always wins excitingly normally. Yeah, I just think they don't want to give uh, Bilal Muhammad a title shot, and they put this fight on this card for a reason. And the ground finish was exciting. It's not like he's an unfun grappler to watch. He just didn't. He just didn't go out and have a fire fight in the first round like he did with Jeff Neal. No, he just spent the whole first round smushing Stephen Thompson up against the cage. But even watching that, I was like, okay, this isn't exciting, but I know Shavkat is not content to have this fight for three rounds. This is either going to build to something or he's going to abandon it and try something else. Well, yeah, and it, I mean, the Neil Magny fight wasn't super exciting in the first round. It was just him like getting ready to finish him. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, so I didn't watch Paddy Pimblett versus Tony Ferguson. Cause I'm not watching Tony Ferguson fights anymore. Um, Tony did a funny jujitsu move where you get like a foot on the hip. And then with your other leg, you dig your knee into their chin and you, you pull the back of their head to pull their chin into your knee. That was funny. Uh, Tony, he did his best on the feet, but he is just too chinny, and if he gets hit once, it's just going to keep adding up. His recovery isn't there anymore. So he got hurt bad by Patty at one point, and then almost finished, but he's still... It, he's you got to have the goods power-wise to finish him at least now. Like you you got to actually be able to finish someone, and Patty's a bad finisher on the feet, so... Uh, also, Patty's been getting more conservative as time's gone on, which I do not think is to his favor. But, you know, Tony made a good account of himself, and Patty embarrassed the fuck out of himself. So, fair enough. I, I think that. Yeah, I also just have to assume that Patty's, like, gotten worse at jujitsu if he didn't submit Tony Ferguson. No, Tony just looked better, I think. Uh, I think he's just used to being old more now. Because he. He just, like, was better at regarding in this fight, and also he didn't have. He didn't really expend too much energy, like he didn't get tired. I, I, I do think that Goggins thing actually helped his cardio for some reason. His cardio hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been going at the insane pace that he used to be known for. And I I think it's because of his chin, but in this fight his, his recovery seemed a little bit better for getting a, a shot to the head and then being able to maintain his composure a little bit more. But I don't know, I, I think that the main thing that's made Tony an uh, unsuccessful fighter in his really late career is that he is a thinker. He needs to be able to think during fights, and he used to be able to think really quickly. And now, if he gets hit once or twice, all of a sudden, he's he's thinking way worse. Like He, he just gets dumber for the, the remainder of the fight until he's fully recovered. So he's not able to think of anything creative or cool, because he's never been a fighter that just goes out and does what he trains. He, he's thinking about shit. You know? He's like, oh, well, I see an angle for a, a special elbow that I've never tried before, but I can, I can land it right here if I fold it over in this weird angle to like a- angle around his arm while he's in my guard or oh I can I can sweep with this goofy shit if I just like lift him up a little bit 
he always had that type of thing that you could really you have to think about. You can't just feel it unless you're a really fucking elite fighter. Yeah, and it's just something that it kind of annoys me that now Tony's fallen off. People act like he was just this crazy, like athletic cheater, chin bully in his prime, and that he just had like no craft and he just did like meme stuff and it worked because he had the physicality. And I just I don't like that. He was always a thinker to a fault. I don't want people to take away from that that there's nothing that can be learnt from watching Tony Ferguson fight in his prime and nothing that a young fighter can take away from that and that fighters shouldn't try to be creative and try to express themselves through their martial arts, you know. Uh, Not everyone just has to fight the same way. But I, I just always thought Tony's issue was that he could just never accept that time had come for him and he still was just trying to do all of the shit that he thought was just like the classic El Kikui shit. And he, he, uh, at that point, just didn't have the self-awareness to really look at himself and be like, what do I still have left and how can I use it in the way that, you know, great fighters who do have uh, successful post-prime careers do. Um, and, you know, and I think if people overplay the, to the extent, the extent to which one fight just instantly ended Tony Ferguson's career... He had been winning, but looking kind of rough, even in like the Kevin Lee fight. You know, the Anthony Pettis and Donald Cerrone fights were were hard, ugly fights for Tony. And people forget him getting beat up by Kevin Lee in, for a large portion of the fight. I just mean pe- people act like he didn't have a very long and successful high level MMA career before the wheels fell off, just because they fell off so fucking bad when they did. And just like, I've said it before, I I know we're going to get multiple like generations of like retconning Tony Ferguson's career, like for a while and everyone's just going to be like, oh, he actually, you know, he he was never actually that good and he just got by on on his, his chin and cardio. And then in a few years, people are going to be like, oh, you know, well, people forget how good Tony Ferguson actually was, and then that cycle is going to repeat itself. Yeah, and the, the fucking, like, Charles Oliveira fight is also, and Benil fight right after, that was, I think that is exactly half of it. I think uh, if you had to say, like, his losses are what fucked him up and not just a huge career of fighting that eventually, like, added up, I think the Gaethje fight took 50% of what he had left in him. And then just getting athlete bullied and skill bullied with jujitsu by Charles for three rounds took it out of him. And then having the same thing happen to him, but from a guy that's way less athletic than the guy that last did it, that was just the end of it. His confidence as a, a fighter. And I think him going to Goggins is more representative of him feeling mentally like that's the problem. He's like, oh, I just don't have my confidence anymore. That's got to be why I'm losing. But no, it's that you lost your confidence and you lost the physical tools that were you used to need, you know? A time just comes for everyone. Anyway. He also didn't even get a step back until he was four losses in. And then it's up a weight class against a guy that's less shot than him. Yeah, and uh, he was supposed to be fighting Li Jingliang that night, which would have been an absolutely hideous slaughter. Yeah, that that still would have been a step back, but that Li Jingliang booking was like extremely mean and dangerous for Tony. I have 
the utmost confidence he would have gone knocked out horribly that night. Yeah, and honestly, I know the UFC doesn't really like tune-ups, but I feel like they should give special exceptions if someone just got a life-altering beating. Like, after the Gaethje fight, they should have given him a fight against fucking, like, Bobby Green or something instead of having him fight Bobby Green when he's fucking five fights into a losing streak. Like, oh, we'll finally give you a step down and it's up a weight class four fights in after, uh, like, the first time you've been flat knocked out. They should have made the Paddy Pimblett fight a year and a half ago. Yep, they should have. They they should have been like, oh, we need to give him someone that can kind of get him back going. Because who knows what would have happened to him had he not immediately been put into three fucking uppings after the Gaethje fight. Because <laughs> he didn't even fight those guys that long after the, the, the Gaethje fight. He, he fought Charles later that year that he got beaten up by Gaethje. Didn't even seem like he took that long out after that gruesome knockout to Michael Chandler. No, the Michael Chandler fight, he lost, and then later that year was scheduled fight Li Jingliang. Yeah, the, the, this part bit just kind of felt like a eulogy. Well, yeah, but we do this every time Tony Ferguson fights. It's hard not to, because he's still in the mainstream. They put him on a main event, or, or on a main card in a really important event. Yeah. But Josh Emmett fucking nuked Bryce Mitchell and <laughs> also the cameraman is an asshole uh, or it, I think it's a funny move and you should show everything in the sport even if it's hard to look at just so that people know what they're watching but the, right after Rogan said oh he's twitching uh, the cameraman showed Bryce Mitchell like having a seizure on the ground from getting knocked out so fucking bad and like convulsing uh, which is rough. I don't feel like the cameraman needed to zoom in on him like that. That was like, what did Bryce Mitchell do to that cameraman? Yeah, I mean, we missed Josh Emmett's backflip for that seizure shot. Yeah, like Josh Emmett's trying to put on a show. He wasn't done with his performance. He's like, listen, I can knock this guy out in fucking two minutes. I still got a backflip in me. Don't often win when I still got a backflip in me. He's uh, he's like 38, but he's still got it. I do not know why Bryce Mitchell was a favorite. No, that's genuinely insane. You know, every time we do a podcast and I just don't give someone a chance, there's always that little bit of doubt that creeps in because thinking, you know, oh, you know, I've seen some crazy shit happen in MMA before, and then I saw like 15 seconds of this fight. I saw Bryce Mitchell come out and try to pressure, and Josh Emmett, like be fighting with his legs at like a fucking like 90 degree angle <laughs> like super low down just like you're not gonna take me down just slings a hard right straight to the body and Bryce Mitchell was just like oh no I mean I said it last week what was Bryce Mitchell supposed to do I yeah I think Josh Emmett knew what this fight was but no apparently no one else that was handling the betting lines did or, like, the matchmakers. Because I think for the matchmakers, they probably wanted Bryce to win. I would have fucking bet the house on this shit if I had seen that Bryce was a favorite. Like, Yeah, I don't even bet, and I would have been like, okay, i got to find a way to put money on this fight because it's so guaranteed. It's, it's a waste not to. And Josh Emmett made it look that easy. It was a classic Josh Emmett one punch, and the guy was dead. Yeah, and the impact wasn't that bad. Like, I've seen Josh Emmett hit people with cleaner connections. Uh, although this one thudded in a really gross way. So, and, you know, everything's like the uh, your opponent's positioning more so than what the shot lands on him. Uh, so he hit Ricardo Lamas with 
probably about three times harder of a, or worse of a shot to get hit by than a right hand uh, as you're throwing a kick is. Like he was spinning through, had no idea the punch was coming, and then like his head fucking did a, a 360. Whereas this one, he just got fucking bonked on the on the nose with a right overhand, and then he just slumps over and is like convulsing in a few seconds. And then he was walking around weird, like they didn't know if he should get a stretcher. He should have gotten a stretcher, but it seemed like he just didn't want to be on one. And the UFC's pretty resistant to doing that. Do you think Bryce Mitchell believes in gravity now? Uh, maybe. I mean, he just got fucking punched so hard that he, he now has a different belief system. I, I'm th- That's the type of knockout where I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple weeks he comes out talking about how he, he now believes the Earth is round. Because he just got knocked around it. He didn't get knocked o- off of it. No, I mean, I, I've heard him over the last few days saying that, like, the Satan is controlling the media to conspire against him to personally attack him after this. So, um, at least he's still Bryce Mitchell. Um, or alternatively, another way to look at it is he's going even farther off the deep end, or you could say falling even farther off of the world that is flat. Off of the edge of the world, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not really anything technical to say about it. It was just a classic MMA fighter throws a bad low kick from too close, and the other guy knows that he's too close to be throwing a low kick, so he throws a right hand. Yeah, I mean, Josh Emmett is back. Know who else is back? Alonzo Menafield. Uh, he got a decision win over Dustin Jacoby where he left-hooked a guy that's very left-hookable, like eight times. I thought he looked pretty good for Alonzo Menafield. I did not expect him to win this fight. I never would have expected him to win a fight like this after seeing him get thoroughly picked apart and knocked the fuck out by OSP. Feels like not that long ago. Uh, But Dustin Jacoby, uh, he's just Rob Font. He just has to do stuff all the time. And he's offensively sharp, but not defensively consistent enough to be able to keep those numbers up against people who can just outpunch him and find a couple of big counters against him each round. In like he can be dangerous, but he's not a crazy dynamic athletic hitter for this division in the way that a guy like Alonzo Menafield is. Yeah, and I was watching the f- the fighting in the first round. I said to my mom, like, "Yo, Alonzo Menafield is landing that left hook anytime he wants to." Dustin Jacoby's super susceptible to getting left hook. And then he proceeded to hurt him with a left hook that round and the next round and the round after that. Because uh, Jacoby really loves uh, fainting in behind his jab with his right hand by his waist, ready to throw a right straight, and then throwing it and not being prepared for his opponent to just be faster than him. Like He, he is not in ever in position for someone to throw a counter off of his jab. Uh, they talk about his jab being really good, but his jab is good because he's good at picking his moments with it, but if he picks a bad moment, then he gets clanged every single time. He doesn't have any insulation if he doesn't get the timing right on when he should be throwing the jab and when it should be a feint. There was even points in the fight where he would feint a jab, but have committed too much of his weight to leaning forward to where he would just get left hooked because he has his right hand too low. Uh, it, it's a style of jabbing that you can get away with if you're really tight defensively with your rear hand and you know, you've know you got good parries. You've got even better uh, sense of timing than Jacoby has and, and you've got more convincing feints than he has. He, he's just got a style that if you're of his level, you can make some fighters look really fucking bad with it. You know, you can make it look like you're a great jabber. But then if you fight people that are just kind of a difficult matchup, then they're going to left hook you fucking easily. Yeah, there's the left hook, but... He's lost this same fight 
also now to Azamat Mirzakhanov and the Khalil Roundtree fight was a lot closer than this and a lot of people thought he won it but it was the same thing it was him just constantly having to put numbers out there and just getting out punched yeah he's very rote uh, which is why the font comparison makes a lot of sense like even his fainting patterns are very rote because it's normally if you see him pump it twice the third one's going to be a jab but Irene Aldana uh, beat the shit out of Carol Rosa. Yeah, people were saying this was like a crazy banger. And it was a good fight, but it was mostly just a good fight in the sense that Carol Rosa was there like trying hard and staying in the fight and like throwing back a lot of low kicks, but she was getting kind of torched on the feet by Irene Aldana, who for all her flaws is a like sharp offensive boxer given her slice of the range someone's just going to stay in front of her the whole time and not really have the goods to counter back but still just always be there to exchange with uh, uh, and not be shying away she can just tee off uh cody garbrandt knocks out brian kelleher yeah just another just like dramatic athletic golf that someone just was never going to be able to cross like brian keller is just too much slower than cody garbrandt and he had, he had like good ideas but i genuinely think the fact that brian keller actually like tries to fight people and goes out and has exchanges with people and always comes to bang no matter it, it was really the john lineker fight <laughs> yeah even if he's just fighting someone who's like so much more dangerous than him so much harder hitting and faster it'll just be like yeah fuck it i'll bang with John Lineker or bang with Cody Garbrandt no problem he just got fucking decked while he was throwing a kick by a guy who's 10 times faster than him I think all of that meant that he was actually just going to force Cody Garbrandt to have a fight where he was going to get his confidence back because he realized whenever they got into exchanges he could just land on Brian Kelleher whenever he wanted I really think someone who's going to be just like really passive and make Cody lead the dance the way Trevin Jones did is going to get bad fights out of him that make him look really bad. Yeah, and Cody, more so than his chin being bad, he's, he reacts to shots really badly now. So if you're fighting, if he's fighting someone that he can avoid getting hit by them, then he's chilling, you know? And he's mechanically still a really good boxer. And he's still got really good takedowns and he's still basically as fast as he used to be. So he's a difficult fight if, if he gets the right matchup still. Yeah, um, Casey O'Neill kind of got torched by Ariane Lipsky because Casey O'Neill nice was, counter right hand was a really nice counter right hand into a slick armbar. Uh, Casey O'Neill needs to stop trying to be technical. Needs to stop thinking she's a kickboxer. Um, I I know it's like kind of stupid MMA math, but it's the kind of stupid MMA math that I would. Uh, expect uh, an MMA fighter to be perfectly capable of coming to the conclusion that she was fighting someone who got finished on the ground by Antonina Shevchenko, who Casey O'Neill finished on the ground. And, I mean, she shot for a couple of takedowns, but Casey O'Neill was never like a... She was never someone who had, like, really high takedown accuracy or something. And she had just this, like, amazingly timed shot or something. No, she was just someone who would try and do stuff all the time and just try and drag people into a miserable, high-paced war. And... Uh, if she's not doing that, then she's just like slower and less athletic in every regard than like half the people in this division. Again, like what is she actually trying to do to win fights like this in the Jennifer Meyer fight? Well, and also like 
Arnold Lipsky's been finished on the ground by Montana De La Rosa, who's a pretty good wrestler uh, by divisional standards, but she's not a good athlete at all. And Casey O'Neill is really good at jiu-jitsu whenever she gets her her particular like positions she wants to. And she's a force in the clinch. She probably would have fucked up Lipsky pretty hard if she had just forced clinch exchanges over and over, but she's just too willing to jab. Just patiently like, jabbing her way into range and just getting picked off every time until she just got finished. Yeah. Uh, just, I don't know, for a prospect I had the high hopes for, not for like, as a, not even really as a future title challenger or anything. I just expected her to stay around doing well for her. Exactly. Like, I thought the rest know, of her career. Yeah, we thought she was going to be like the new JoJo, not even necessarily stylistically, just someone who was going to be around having fun, exciting fights and be probably, you know, be a good test for the people who were going to get title shots. And is Scottish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, something needs to change. Uh, Tajiru Lambekov submitted Cody Durden. Tajiru and Lambekov's getting better. It was a cool fight. Yeah. Andre Feely set up a fucking gorgeous shot that punched Almeida into a separate universe. And then he still had to TKO him with ground and pound. Because it doesn't matter how cleanly Andre Feely lands a shot. No one goes out with the shot. He's still got to ground and pound them. I mean, this was a gorgeous counter right hand. though. probably could have been a walk off. And uh, I was honestly expecting Andre Feely to like uh, see that Lucas Almeida was, is like a defensively flawed but dangerous uh, ranged kickboxer who also just got instantly wiped out on the ground by Pat Sabatini and just be like, oh yeah, I'm Andre Feely. I can like, I can wrestle. I can do a arm triangle choke. But no, just went out there and just knocked the fucking shit out of him. Was cool to see. Yeah, Andre Feely is, is so heavily punished by the UFC's structure of always trying to give you a step up if you win. Like, if he was a boxer, they would have accepted that he's not going to be a, a title challenger any ever like eight years ago and they would have just given him good fights against people that he can beat for the next several years but he's had such a weird win two lose one win one lose two like loads of really close split decisions as well yeah yeah like he, he's just had a very strange career I could, could have won the Sadiq Yusuf fight yeah I mean he's just you know for so long been relegated to the guy they're going to give prospects to who they want to get into the top 15 he can only ever fight like varying levels of those guys and will beat guys like Lucas Almeida and you know, Charles Jordan. In the Shaman Marais fight, it is listed as the same type of finish at about the same point in the round, a right hook to ground strikes. Yeah, it was a head kick in that one as well, though. Yeah, yeah, he laid a head kick and then a right hook. Uh, and then in this one, he, uh, he just landed a right straight. I didn't even remember it being a hook. He just like cut a gorgeous angle from the same stance and... Uh, he punched his head so fucking far around. Like, it looks like, if you were just basing it off the visual, it looks like it was a harsher knock knockout than John Shemmett got. Uh, just the actual results was a lot less uh, concussive. Uh, Team Alphamel just did great, the whole card. Three knockouts in the, in the first. Yep, and then uh, Shamil Gazayev uh, beat fuck out of Martin Budag. Yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, this has been the Forbidden Technique podcast. We may or may not do a podcast next week, but uh, I guess we're going to try and do some like end of year content soon. Uh, we haven't got a UFC event until like mid January, so I don't know. Look out for a podcast. We'll try to do something. See you guys later. Peace. Later. <laughs>